Bring out the talent. Bring out the talent. Bring out the talent. Welcome to Bring Out the Talent, a podcast featuring learning and development experts discussing innovative approaches and industry insights. Tune in to hear our talent help develop yours. Now here are your hosts, PTA's CEO and President Maria Melfa and Talent Manager Jocelyn Allen. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. This is Maria. Hey, Maria. It's Jocelyn. I know they let us back here for a third episode. Let's get started. So according to a recent study, curiosity is an increasingly important skill for employees. A study from the Harvard Business Review revealed some interesting insights about curiosity in the workplace. They found that curiosity allows employees to think innovatively and rationally about decisions and come up with creative solutions. However, many leaders stifle curiosity, fearing that it will increase risk and inefficiencies. To discuss the importance of curiosity in the workplace, we have a very special guest with us today, Dr. Jasmine Martirosian. Jasmine is the Vice President of Marketing at Two Suit Americas. She has led digital marketing and curiosity transformation for many multinational corporations. Jasmine is a widely published author and a frequent keynote and featured speaker at conferences. Her work has been covered in publications such as the New York Times, Chicago Tribune, and the Toronto Star. And one other thing I'd like to mention is Jasmine is the world's most interesting woman. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so welcome Jasmine. Man, the bird in the, <laughs> the bird squawk. So I've sung that to Jasmine many times because it is so true. And um, like I just mentioned, I do believe Jasmine is the world's most interesting woman. And I know we have the all the commercials. I don't know that I forgot the guy's name of the world's most interesting man, but I think we need to coin that for you, Jasmine, because you're very kind and generous, Marie. I'm so (laughs) delighted to be on this podcast with you. And you are one of the funniest CEOs out there. So very innovative too. Well, thank you very much, Jasmine. So I have learned a lot from you over the years and you know, part of the reason is because of your love for like curiosity and learning, um, which you um, brought to a lot of us when you worked here. So let's just get a little bit into Jasmine and your incredible background. Can you share with our listeners, where do you think your adventurous and curious mindset originated? I think, you know, you could go all the way to your childhood. I was blessed with parents who loved to travel and brought me in and along with them and challenged me to be open to see new things, seek out new opportunities and build horizons. And then I think once you get that bug in you, it's very hard to get rid of it. Plus, oh, given all the tests and everything, I have a very analytical, curious mind. So I, I take that as a huge blessing and I'm very grateful for it. And then to me, curiosity is also a skill and a quality that once you, you get into it, it just keeps on going and building on itself. 
And then there was no turning back, which is a good thing, actually. You can't become uncurious suddenly. <laughs> I, I was just going to say that, and it's like, it's not something that you can just automatically shut off either. And I find <laughs> that curiosity really does make you better in all facets of your life because you want to learn. Once you stop learning, you plateau. So I agree with you. I like I like the root of this conversation and kind of talking about a skill in a different way. So let's talk about the importance of a curious mind. Like, why do you think it's so important and why should people start thinking about curiosity as a skill more than than, you know, a, a characteristic. Uh, it's very interesting. This is about learning and development. And unfortunately, a lot of learning how kids evolve from the very younger age in the formal school system, they're taught it's either this or that. And then that leads to a kind of forced dichotomy that we grow up thinking of you do either this or that. And very often, third options are left out. So women are viewed, are expected to be the good mothers and at home or just executives. But, you know, I firmly believe you can be a successful mother with a successful career. And there are actually Harvard studies that show that girls whose mothers were working become more successful and more multifaceted themselves. So those are artificial dichotomies that society holds. And it's the kind of the terrorism by of the word or. It's either or. But there could be other options. So when you're curious, you actually look outside of those boundaries. It's a trite phrase. You know, they say look outside the box. But sometimes the box isn't even there. And people just place themselves in the box. So when people are curious, they 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 will not settle for the first answer that's provided. And they constantly ask the why. And it also helps to tell other people the why and to see what's the why behind the why. Sometimes, you know, there's a lot of history behind something that we don't even know about that can be very enriching. It can find other solutions that helps us both in business and in our personal lives. You find that it, because for me specifically, like I have, I also have a very kind of strategic mind, like it's my number one strength and it totally makes sense to me when I look at how my thought process works. Do you find that your analytical and curiosity piece, because I feel like they can be considered similar, but also very different. Does it take you longer to go through a certain thought process or anything like that? Or does your curiosity and expansion kind of allow you to fine-tune quickly, if that makes sense. Absolutely not. Actually, as an executive, and Maria can attest to this, I'm known to never sit on a fence. I'm actually very quick in decision-making. And I think when you're constantly curious, you can start seeing up patterns in ways that also attunes your intuition more into your experiences, and you can seek out solutions. Know that when I talk about curiosity, I'm not talking about paralysis from overanalysis, just the opposite. But you also have to make certain decisions, right? You have to, you know, based on the data you have, you can decide on X. And then once other data is presented, you have to have the courage to say, look, I made the decisions based on X, but now we know about Y and Z, so we're going to evolve this in that direction. Interestingly, a lot of people just don't have that courage because they feel, well, was I wrong the first time? But again, it, it has to be fact and data-driven and base it on that. Don't put your ego on the line. And that's what curiosity is. I mean, there are interesting situations, for instance, you know, even gigantic catastrophes like the Challenger disaster accident, the Columbia one, there were data that were presented and that were data points that were later ignored. 
So only because it would have challenged the original decision, but then lives were at stake quite literally and people died. Yeah. I, yeah, I was curious <laughs> no <laughs> about how that works because I, I find it to be similar for me. Like I, I, I don't like to sit on a fence. It's one of those things where like, if the decision doesn't make sense and I won't make it at that time, I'll go out and I'll be like, no, what's the real right decision here? Because all of these options don't make sense. But I wasn't sure if that was conflicting. You know what I mean? But at this point, I think in learning and development, I've learned that nothing is really conflicting, that everything can kind of coexist as long as you find the right way to partner it all together. So that was a little bit of a tangent, but isn't that what curiosity is about? So <laughs> I also <laughs> love pulling the phrase, forward. right, but analysis from overanalysis is the best thing that I've ever heard. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. Well, you know, as an executive, you also have to follow the laws of physics, right? Body in motion stays in motion. So again, you can't be in this state of paralysis because that's not leadership. And again, that that's a cop out to be paralyzed like that. Love that mindset. So Jasmine, I know that you've hired a lot of people. You've hired a lot of great people. And I know one of the things that you try to assess is your candidate's aptitude for curiosity. So do you think that you could foss? So I guess, tell us a little bit about that. How do you, how do you assess that? Well, I'm, I'm very proud of the teams that I've been instrumental in building, Marie, including at TTA. And I'm proud to say that a lot of the people that I hired at TTA, they're still at TTA. And they're amazing people or, or even promoted too, right? They're, they're amazing people, miss them dearly, great talent. But they, they're all very curious and the reason why they've stayed, and again, you promote that kind of culture, so let's not discount the value and importance of that. You can foster a culture of curiosity, yes. You can create something where people then, you model behavior and people become that in that they see, okay, so I could do this. And then as they get deeper into it, they become more interested and more curious and then it leads to discovery, which is how actually most discoveries came to be. In fact, a lot of the great inventions we know are a result of an accident in the R&D process, be it Velcro, be it post-it notes, be it the microwave oven. And it's seeing the opportunity when it presents itself. So the reason why they became end product is because the people who were working on them became curious and said, okay, I'm seeing this. Where could we take this effect? And that's very, very, very important. So you can foster, you can model behavior, you can foster it. It also allows you as a leader, you have to allow people to experiment. And sometimes, you know, favor is not a bad thing. If you can fail fast and learn from it, right? I remember reading ages ago an interview with Sam Walton in the Wall Street Journal. At the time, he was probably the wealthiest man alive as uh, the founder of Walmart. And uh, the journalist asked him a question, how did you become so successful? And he says, by making good decisions. And then the journalist says, well, so how do you make the good decisions? He says, through experience. The next question to Walton was, okay, so how do you get the relevant experience to, to drive the good decisions? And his answer was, bad decisions but so 
It's that willingness to learn from your mistakes and improve on them. That's also curiosity rather than just shut everything off and shut down and say, you know what, this is not working. Very true. So how do you go about assessing the curiosity when you're interviewing candidates? Great question. I think you have to sometimes uh, ask things, even how people give responses, right? What variables they bring into their answer or how they talk about their interests or how they talk about their decision-making process. It, It can tell you if it's a curious mind or not. And, you know, how we share about our interests and how we present ourselves to the world, it's, it's very, becomes very obvious. Is this a curious mind at play or how they even question something? They may say, you know what, we did this, this work, but in this context, I'm not sure if we tried this with this. So you can see, is there an exploration going on or is it just like one can't response that there is linear thinking? Well, I know curiosity goes hand in hand with a growth mindset, and that's one of our core values here. We don't we don't want to hire anybody that does not have a growth mindset. And I know after 28 years of being with TTA and leading TTA, we certainly have had people that have not had a growth mindset and not that they were not, you know, good people or capable people. But in a company where you constantly have to grow and innovate and learn new things, it just doesn't work. You know, there are some people that are happy doing the same thing over and over again, but that's certainly not what a lot of companies do and certainly not something that we do at TTA. Do you believe that curiosity is an innate skill? I think to a degree it is, but to a degree, just in line, because I'm a believer in growth mindset and that people can learn, it can also be acquired. So I'm sure there are some people that are innately more curious and that goes on. And then especially if they're encouraged to flourish that skill, they, they, they become runaway curious. But then others, you know, I was talking earlier about modeling behavior and learning and guiding. I think others can also learn to practice curiosity. In fact, I met people who have said, you know what, I have become more curious as a result of this. And that makes a difference. So again, it, it, it kind of reaffirms what you're talking about, the growth mindset. I do believe in the growth mindset. Again, some people have it innately. Others learn to open up their mindset, become more open and grow with it or try new things. And again, all of this has to deal with change, right? And uncertainty. And those are generally scary to most people. So... It's also about change management, like no matter what my title is, but really it's about organizational transformation and change management. It's not so much about marketing. It's about driving improvements. Yes, things used to change yearly and then quarterly and monthly and weekly, but now they're changing daily and hourly. So (laughs) if you don't have that, then you might get lost or left behind. Yeah, I mean, look at the pace of change that we're living through and how information is doubling every other day to the extent I read some statistic that information now doubles every two days. So much information is was created as was created until like 1991. And again, the, the, in this setting, we need more of a curious and open mindset and also more of a discerning mindset, right? To know, uh, to tell the weed from chaff. 
Because not all the information is valid information either. So how do we become analytical? And again, you need to be even more curious today to deal with this onslaught of data because not all data is accurate data. I'll be the first one to say data-driven, but even statistics and data, if not used right, you can come up with false positive, with false direction, false results. So being curious is even more intrinsic to our daily success today. I have a kind of a lead off question based on like what you were talking about of curiosity being an innate skill and then something that can be developed through things like change management and coaching. What do you think that the skill gaps are that exist there? Is it like a, a, a fear of failure and therefore not as much exposure to what curiosity can actually create because we're in this momentum of doing the same old same or you know, I, I guess really, how do you create that change in somebody who has such potential, but is lacking a little bit of curiosity? So it's a multifaceted question, right? So let's think about it. In it is. I threw like 16 questions at you right there. <laughs> I did. <laughs> so in a work setting, you usually hire an employee to do X, Y, and Z, or A, B, and C. Uh, truly curious people can usually find better approaches to doing something that, that they can innovate. Those that are not will just stick to the same A, B, and C. Truly curious people can find efficiencies. They can usually cut something off that's not working. In fact, Marie, you and I went through a major exercise on that. Right. I'm not going to do to share the details. But it led to major restructuring because we found some major inefficiencies, right? The easiest thing would, would have been to just let it go. But then you have to, but most people, either the, the managers, the leaders do not give them the guidance to be curious and to try to improve because they need this thing done. And so opportunities then are lost. And so from the outset, people need to be encouraged to say, what can you do better? I ask my team members, and it's one of the toughest questions I ask. This is their job, and people, everybody wants job security. But then you suddenly ask them, what is it that you should drop and not do as part of this job? It's one of the scariest questions I ask because people just look at you usually paralyzed. But really, you're asking for them to be curious because if you stop doing some inefficiency from the lean perspective, right, there is always Muda, Murai, Muri to go. Uh, <clears throat> to climb up and, and lean perspectives. There, there's a lot of unnecessary stuff that everybody sometimes does. And how do we go about eliminating that? You have to be curious to do it. But a lot of leaders and managers just don't encourage that because it, it's just, you want stability, right? You just want this done. But what if it can be done better? What if we can have an exponential increase? How do we scale up? So that thinking has to be constantly nurtured and continued, and it starts from the top with the leadership being comfortable with driving that kind of change. Love it. It always, it really does always come back to leadership. This is why all of the conversations that we have that I love is because it can go to your people and like your teams hearing it themselves and saying, this is really inspiring me, but it goes back to where it starts from and how to encourage that behavior from the top down. So I love how you brought it back to us there, Jasmine. <laughs> um, for 
our listeners who maybe don't know where to begin but are totally honing in on what you're saying here and what sort of fulfillment that can create for their organizations by developing their team's curiosity, what can they do to begin fostering that sort of change? Be more comfortable with change, literally. Be more comfortable with the unknown. Be more comfortable with experimenting. Have sandboxes, right? Tell your team, here's a sandbox. We have to run this experiment. If it fails, I've got your back. It's okay. And as leaders, we have to tell our people that we've got their back. It's okay. But we won't turn around and throw them under the bus. And then that builds a much stronger organization. Because if they don't try, if they do not practice this curiosity, it's interesting. There's a disconnect. We talk about change management, trans- digital transformation, and transforming organization. Well, if you don't foster curiosity, none of that is going to happen. Very, very true. I know, Jasmine, you have done a lot of interesting things with your teams to foster curiosity. I don't know. I sometimes hold off-site events, and I kind of try to really expand their horizons. By the way, it's something I try to do for myself, too. Right. I'll, I'll put myself in uncomfortable situations that I naturally have no interest in, but then I'm at surprise list. So it could be an outing from doing something outdoorsy like apple picking to going to the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum to one, one time I took my team to the Museum of Fine Arts and I asked them, for instance, to choose a painting of their choice, not my choice, theirs, and then to write like two, three hundred words about what they saw in that painting. You know what's the only consistent was item that came out of that is the inconsistency. Everybody saw something different. But that shines a light on how people view situations within the organization. It's not just about an art, it's a need. So whatever every person sees, they see it differently and they interpret it differently. So as leaders too, we have to be curious to kind of create that unified vision. So and to communicate it to people and and to hear and see and go through the lenses. It's a nonstop activity. It's not a one and done thing. It, it, it's, it, that's how culture comes together. And ultimately, what is culture? I mean, culture is how we see things in general and what's acceptable, what's not, kind of the normative acceptance, right? So in the U.S., for instance, Americans who go die, most of them will not be kind of disciplined enough to fold their napkin at the end and leave. Actually, we could run an experiment and go to a restaurant, and I, I would wager that 90% plus of the time, people would just leave their napkins the way they were, the cloth napkin. But in Japan, I would wager that almost 100% will fold them neatly and leave them like that, because that's the culture. And those become the norms of seeing the world. That's how they process information. And so even being caught, curious about how different cultures work with different things may give us a lot of lessons on how to approach things in a workplace or in our lives. So insightful, Jasmine. Beautifully put. I love this. I I really like And I've said it on previous episodes, my favorite thing about what we do is how to make the connections between who you are personally and developing it in your professional life, too, because I think it's just a cyclical effect that once you start realizing something about yourself personally, can put it into play professionally and see successful results from it, it automatically goes back to that like personal development of like, you know, possibly more confidence, more curiosity, more strategy in play in this. I love 
just the way that we're starting to look at things now where you don't have to separate these two things. They go hand in hand and you can be the most successful when you're allowed to be yourself and use your skills and your strengths effectively. Beautiful. Love it. Actually, to that point, I encourage, I try to take personal interest in people to know what their hobbies are. Because guess what? There are certain things that they can bring from their hobbies to the workplace to find really cool solutions. And this is just as relevant for learning and development as it is for any other industry. Because they make their baby approaches. So if people are not just put into the cubbyhole, kind of into, pushed into boxes, then we can see, okay, they can do certain things much better. Would you say that curiosity and creativity go hand in hand? I'd say so, definitely, because creativity is, is nothing but, a, you know, curiosity applied in practice, right? Finding different solutions. One down too. Thank you. <laughs> I want attribution, Jocelyn, right? <laughs> I'm going to thank you, I promise. <laughs> Jasmine, in some of our previous conversations, you mentioned the importance of being a free thinker. You said, be a creator, not a consumer of free thinking. Can you explain a little bit about that? I, I think I made that statement contextually recently when we were talking about how we're all tied or I would also say addicted to other gadgets and media. And a lot of it gets in the way of us actually having that quiet time to think to ourselves, to make other connections. So you almost become enslaved to what other people want you to think, to other people's thoughts, as opposed to evolving your own thinking. And that's actually a loss for humanity. Because then you channel down certain tunnels and your own thinking does not evolve. And in the future, even again, the dominance and the addictive power, all the devices. And I admit, like my cell phone is always by my side, right? We're all connected all the time. We may all miss out on the opportunity to evolve ourselves. So it, it almost becomes a new class system when there are the free thinkers who push down their information on others, and there's the vast mass of consumers of somebody else's thinking. A few years ago, I was at a, a conference in New York City, and the, an analyst presented data that 70% of people go to restroom holding their iPad, those who have iPads. And it's such a personal device because it can hold it close to your body. Like, that's a striking metric. Right. Oh, the name of the documentary that we were talking about on Netflix was The Social Dilemma. Yeah. Thank you, David. <laughs> okay. So as we wrap up, Jasmine, the final question for you. Most important. Most important question to ask. <laughs> Did curiosity really kill the cat? Yeah. Well, no. What it's needs to be modified is to say the cat has to be diplomatic and discerning. Being curious is unequivocally good, but there are times where, you know, you need to know how to manifest it in diplomatic ways. So that's where the saying comes in. It has value and it's, it's also about emotional intelligence. So be curious, but also be emotionally intelligent. And again, go intelligent and those with the whole open the growth mindset 
it, it all ties together very organically. So, I mean, theoretically, curiosity is a good thing, but if the cat is not discerning or diplomatic, it could get squished. But he also had nine chances. So, <laughs> you know, the cat had a little bit of an unlucky adv- or a lucky advantage there. So <laughs> awesome. All right, Jasmine. So now we're at the time in our episode where we do our fun TTA 10 segment. It's the TTA 10, 10 final questions for our guest. All right, Jasmine. So this is just a fun part of our show where I'm going to ask you 10 questions. Um, You have 90 seconds to answer them. Um, Answer as quick as possible, whatever first comes to mind. There's going to be some fun ones, some silly ones, but also some ones that have real answers to them. So I'll call you out if you're wrong. No, I'm just kidding. It's just fun. So um, I'm going to yeah ask you 10. And um, if you win... You will get a special little shout out and some bragging rights that come directly from our producer, David. So. Sounds good. All right. Ready? Now I'm curious. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's perfect for this. All right. Here we go. What's your favorite driving song? My favorite driving song? There is a wonderful song by Charles Osnevor, but generally his entire album, it just conveniently was in my car, so... Uh, Ave Maria is fabulously inspirational. Beautiful. What TV show do you always recommend for your friends next binge? TV show for next binge. Uh, like for right now, they could go for Good Girls. Which of the seven dwarves do you most relate to? <laughs> <laughs> seven dwarves that I most relate to. Um, Oh, God. Uh, let's see. Sleepy? Sleepy. Uh, oh, actually, maybe happy. Happy. There you go. What's 19 minus 6? <laughs> You're kidding me. <laughs> what is your? What was your favorite subject in school? Pretty much all of them. I was curious. <laughs> Coffee or tea? Coffee. Easy. But tea, too, sometimes. Who would you cast to play yourself in a movie about your life? Naomi Watts, probably. Garden gnomes, cute or creepy? Garden gnomes, uh, sneezy. <laughs> Beachfront or mountainside? Both. There's a place for both. <laughs> if you were a superhero, what would your superpower be? Um, I used to say reading people's minds, but I kind of can guess people's thinking that through psychology. So flying. So so flying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we did it, Jasmine. We got through our ten questions in ninety we did? seconds. We did. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Yes. Congratulations, Jasmine. You are a TTA 10 champion. You may shout this news from the rooftops, amaze your friends, and include it on your resume. Now that you've achieved this coveted honor, you will be respected and loved by captains of industry, heads of state, and TikTok influencers. The sun will shine brighter for you, food will taste better, and life will have new meaning. Congratulations, Jasmine, a TTA 10 champion. Thank you. I love this. I should kind of borrow the idea with attribution to you and yes. try it on our podcast. Oh my god, that was the Absolutely. best, that was Jasmine. Awesome. I know. In the beginning, I was, <laughs> I was like, 
I was like, oh, we're not going to make it. Oh, God. <laughs> I knew you were going to say flying. Well thought out, curious answers, right? I know I wish. I would love to read people's because... minds, but since I can do that now, I'm just going to fly. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jasmine likes to travel to a new country every week, so. <laughs> I know. You're always so traveling. Yeah, Fantastic, always traveling. though. <laughs> okay, well. Thank you so much, Jasmine. It's always a true pleasure um, to speak to you and just to learn more about you. So mm -hmm. thank you to the world's most interesting woman. I, you have indulged my curiosity for sure. This was a really interesting conversation and I look forward to pursuing more with you. Thank you for your time today. You're the best. Well, thank you so much, Maria, uh, Jocelyn, and David. Really appreciated being on the podcast with you. And I mean, come on, top 10 champions. To learn more about Jasmine and her podcast, see the show notes for this episode. All the information will be linked there. And if your curiosity is piqued, bring out your talent by visiting us at thetrainingassociates.com. We'll see you later.